1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello
0: sports fans and welcome to another edition of Yesterday's Sports on the Sports History Network. You can call me old fashioned, not with the times, a dinosaur, but I miss 1970s football. Perhaps it meant so much to me because of my age. I was eight years old in 1970 and 17 years old in 1979. For most people, so many of life's memories are between the ages of eight and 17. I can remember it all like it was yesterday. I played football and watched it with equal enthusiasm. 1970s NFL football was, and still is, a big part of my life. I was, and as my wife can attest to, sometimes still obsessed with it. My interest started with 1969 Topps football cards. I read and studied those cards over and over. Then I started reading football books and magazines and watching the games on TV. I was hooked. It was like an addiction. I watched all the football shows that were on TV at the time. There was This is the NFL, This Week in Pro Football, the NFL Game of the Week, NFL Films with Ed and Steve Sable. I was like an encyclopedia on NFL football. I knew every player, every statistic, every score, and every team's record and history. I absolutely loved it. Then, suddenly, I wasn't 17 anymore, and the 1970s became the 1980s. Football was still a big part of my life, but not the same way it was in the 1970s. I grew into adulthood and did the things that adults do, like go to work, move out of my parents' house, get my own house, get married, have children, and pay the bills. Football wasn't as important anymore. Not only had I changed, but the game had changed too. Many rule changes took place in the 1980s, and today's game bears little resemblance to the game I watched and played in the 1970s. I pretty much stopped watching football altogether around 16 years ago. Up until a few years ago, I'd watched some of the playoff games and the Super Bowl but I don't even watch that anymore. The modern game bores me. I'd much rather go to YouTube and watch a game from the 1970s than any of the current games. Not only does that bring back fond memories, but it's fun to compare how the game was then and what it has become. Football today has become big business, entertainment at its best or worst depending on your opinion. The conflict for me is I'm not interested in entertainment. I'm interested in football. So let us take a look at 1970s football compared to today's game. We'll start with the pregame show. In the 1970s, the pregame show was 30 minutes. I always looked forward to watching Brent Musburger, Earth Cross, Phyllis George and Jimmy the Greek they would talk about the game schedules for that day talk about the players give an opinion or give an injury update then Jimmy the Greek would make his predictions and it was time to kick the ball off today we have hours and hours of non-stop blabbering and the never-ending question what's the key to the game We get the same answers as always. Don't turn the ball over. Don't commit too many penalties. Don't make stupid mistakes. Put pressure on the quarterback. Do they think we don't already know this? From the opening kickoff, I'm annoyed. Every stadium must now have loud, booming music blasting from the PA system. I guess the game itself is not enough to hold the interest of the average fan. The football is now kicked off from the 35-yard line instead of the 30-yard line. The ball usually goes into the end zone and is down for a touchback, removing one of the most exciting plays in the game. I'm talking, of course, about the kickoff return. When's the last time you saw a return man break off a big return? Or better yet, take it all the way for a touchdown. It hardly ever happens anymore. I understand the NFL wants to cut down on injuries, but come on, you can't take away one of the most exciting plays in the game. But they did. Since there are very few kickoff returns now, the receiving team starts at the 25 yard line and immediately the passing frenzy begins. The percentage of passing plays in the NFL today is much higher than the percentage of running plays. The opposite was the case in the 1970s. The rules have changed drastically to allow for more passing, and more passing means more scoring. But for old school fans like me, there was nothing like watching a strong running attack. There were so many great running backs in the 1970s and the 1980s as well. John Riggins, Tony Dorsett, Walter Payton, Eric Dickerson, Larry Zonka, Frank O'Harris, Earl Campbell, and more. These guys on a strong offensive line could take over a game With a dominant running attack, you didn't need to throw the ball a lot. Take for example the 1972 and 1973 Miami Dolphins. So dominant was their ground game that quarterback Bob Greasy only threw the ball a combined 18 times in Super Bowl 7 and 8. We old-school football fans missed the great defensive battles of the 1970s. Scores like 13 to 6, 10 to 7, and 7 to 3 weren't unusual. With defenses like the Doomsday Defense, the -the Over-the-Hill Gang, the Purple People Eaters, the Fearsome Foursome, the No-Name Defense, the Orange Crush, and last but not least, the Steel Curtain. High scoring was not at a premium. Well, that concludes Part 1 of this podcast. Tune in again next week, and we will have Part 2 of this three-part series on why I miss 1970s football. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, and God bless.
1: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network.